Thank you very much. The need for balance between worldly responsibilities and spiritual aspirations is clearly exemplified by various halachas and in Mamori Chazal, well known to all of us. The correct balance between Talmud Torah and between Derech Eretz, which is understood by most Rishonim to refer to the, the time invested in, in, in pursuing Panosa, one's livelihood, that correct balance, that correct uh, combination is, is becoming because that combined toiling that a person does in those two areas eliminates sin from his life. A person is supposed to spend money on mitzvahs, a person is supposed to give give generously to tzvokah and nevertheless, chazal kap a person who lives on a rather limited budget is not supposed to spend more than uh, 20% of his budget on, on mitzvahs on tzvokah another place where this need for balance emerges is if we juxtapose various if we juxtapose various mamari chazal for instance, on the one hand, there are many Ma'amari Chazal which emphasize the need to be Mestapik B'muat, to, to be a minimalist, and, and to make do with the basic necessities. On the other hand, Chazal themselves tell us in the Gemara that If a person lives in a nice house, if a person has nice, uh, nice kalim to use within that house, it affords him a certain measure of Hachavis Hadas, a certain expansiveness, a certain, a certain openness to be able to live life more fully and more completely. So clearly, Chazal are aware of this, this need for balance. In fact, there's a very uh, beautiful Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara says that Antoninus posed the question to Rebbe. Antoninus said to Rebbe that on Yom Hadin, when we all have to give a din v'cheshvam before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so neshama, both body and soul, can exonerate themselves ultimately in the Yom Hadin. The guf, the body, can argue that from the day the neshama left me, so I've been like an inanimate object, like an evan domain. So obviously the, the responsibility for chet lies with the neshama. The neshama, on the other hand, can argue, Antonina says to Rebbe, that from the day I left the guf, from the day the neshama departed from the body, so I've been as pure as a, as a tzipor, as a bird flying through the air. So how will HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, be able to fault either guf or neshama? So uh, Rebbe answers Antonina with a marshal. He says, I'll give you a marshal. A king has this beautiful orchard with many, many choice fruits. And, and the king appoints two watchmen to guard the orchard. One of them is blind, the other is lame. So the lame one says to the, says to the blind one, there's all kinds of beautiful fruits here. Let me piggyback on your shoulders and then I'll be able to reach the, the fruits and we'll be able to, and, and then we'll be able to enjoy the, uh, the fruits of, of this orchard. So they do that. So the, uh, the blind person takes the, uh, the lame person on his shoulders and the lame person picks the fruits. The king comes back and sees that the field's been pillaged and he confronts the two watchmen so each watchman says, the blind one says, I didn't even know it's here you certainly can't fault me, the lame one says, I can't move I'm not ambulatory, I certainly couldn't uh, have accessed 
any of this food? How can you be faulting me? So the king takes the lame person, puts him on the shoulders of the blind person, and then he makes him stand trial in that position. He puts the, uh, the, 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 the lame person on the shoulders of the blind person and, and makes him stand trial. So too, Rebbe says to Antoninus, so for us who he, he reunites Nisham Uguf, and then he judges us as Nisham and Guf together. So what's the, what's the point of the Gemara? So the Yad Rahman, his, in his Chidushim on Sanhedrin, discusses this Gemara in his polemic with the Rambam. The Rambam is of the opinion that the uh, Olam Haba is only from Nishama. That Olam Haba is an incorporeal existence, it's only Nishamas. And the Yad Rama says, no, the point of this Gemara is that, that we live, our life is a cooperative venture between body and soul, Guf and Nishama together. Neither the Guf nor the Nishama can or does function independently without the other. In the same way, HaKadosh Baruch who is going to judge them together according to this Gemara, so too, the, the reward which we, which we earn, which HaKadosh Baruch will bestow upon us, will be to go to Neshama together. So therefore, the Yad agrees that it's a spiritual existence. There's no eating, there's no drinking, etc. But, he says, it will be good for Neshama together. But it's interesting, and basically the Yad is saying that, that the Rambam has a somewhat dualistic, uh, dualistic approach in, in terms of a, a, a certain uh, opposition between body and soul, and the Yad says, no, it should be more of a monistic approach. But it's very interesting that when the Gemara wants to depict the relationship between body and soul, between Guf and Neshama, so what's the imagery which the Gemara uses? The imagery which Chazal used is that the lame person takes the blind person on his shoulders. Now, to take someone on your shoulders, so you need to have to balance them. It's an act of balancing. And, and, and that's part of what Chazal are hinting at also, that to, for Guf and Neshama to work together the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted, so that there is a need for balancing. And, and the, the, the truth is that this need for balancing between the, the worldly responsibilities. Again, worldly responsibilities, I guess the most prominent amongst them, because it makes the most, uh, the most prominent amongst them, which comes to mind, of course, is the need for panosa. But we're gonna, when we talk about panosa tonight, we're using it more as, as uh, the prototype for worldly responsibilities. It includes tzorke haguf, uh, it includes whatever physical needs a person has in terms of uh, attending to health. It, it uh, includes all the mundane sides and dimensions to child rearing and, and running a household. All that is included in, in worldly responsibilities. So when we talk about panosa, uh, we'll, we'll do so more as uh, illustrative of all these various uh, responsibilities. So when Chazal talk about combining, and again, and, and uh, the, the relationship between Guf and Neshama, that they intentionally use this imagery of balancing, of the, of, the, of the blind person balancing the lame person on his shoulders, because uh, that's basically the, the most quintessential human need and trait is this ability to balance Guf and Neshama appropriately to be able to balance the, the worldly responsibilities and our spiritual aspirations. All of which just highlights and underscores the question of what exactly is, is the right balance 
between the, the time that we devote to meeting our worldly responsibilities and the time that we have left to pursue our, our spiritual aspirations. Now the truth is that, that on one level the, the answer to that question is exceedingly simple. Exceedingly simple. So much so that, that we could probably uh, adjourn in, uh, in 30 seconds. The Rambam writes in Hilchos Talmud Torah, when the Rambam, and again, when, when uh, one will speak of Talmud Torah, just as Panasa is, uh, is, is sort of uh, illustrative of worldly responsibilities, so too Talmud Torah is intended as, uh, again, as uh, illustrative of uh, spiritual aspirations. The Rambam writes that, that how does a person determine how much time he has for Talmud Torah? First, the person sees how much time Panasa requires. So the Rambam says, Kate said, if Hoyabal Umnus, if a person is an Uman, whatever, whatever his trade is, whether he's a, a, a shoemaker, whether he's a tailor, whatever, whatever the Umnus is. So the Rambam says, if in order to earn his livelihood, he has to spend three hours a day working. So the Rambam says, well then that will leave him with around nine hours a day for learning. And then the Rambam says how those nine hours should be divided amongst various disciplines in learning. So it, it, it's quite remarkable, it's very telling in terms of which, which, w- what dictates here. It's the worldly responsibilities which dictate, right? The Rambam begins by saying, well first a person has to calibrate how many hours a day are necessary in order for him to meet his worldly responsibilities and then the remaining time the remaining time is, is, is then uh, uh, available for pursuit of, of spiritual aspirations Talmud Torah, Mitzvahs, Maisen Tov and Bechulu again all of which makes it all the more crucial that, that we're able to calibrate accurately what exactly are our worldly responsibilities and having done so and, and having done so, so then we have again a very simple and, and direct answer to this question. The Chassam Sofer in a tshuva in Choshen Mishpat he was asked about, uh, about Arov taking a salary for, for a rabbinical position, and he says, uh, He says, I'm choshed He says, You really shouldn't be asking me, because one who's choshed l'osodava can't really talk about it. But then he goes on to say that the same formula as the Rambam, that a person works, that a person works enough to, to, to earn a, a livelihood, and then the rest of the time he devotes to pursuit of Torah and mitzvahs. Now, th- this formula, if we're, we're able to really pare down our expenses so that it's legitimately and genuinely the case that the worldly responsibilities are those which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is imposing upon us by, by virtue of our Olam Hazza existence as opposed to their being self-imposed, so then, whatever, if we strike that balance, so then we also gain that we have the potential that our entire lives can be one uninterrupted continuum of Avodah Hashem. The Rambam writes in, in, uh, in, in Hilchos Deus that the Rambam elaborates on the mission that everything a person does should be L'Shem Shemaim. And the Rambam says that basically if a person orients genuinely, sincerely, if a person 
orients everything he does for Avodah Hashem, then everything is a fulfillment of Avodah Hashem. If a person goes to work because HaKadosh Baruch Hu says we're supposed to earn a panosa, and because he wants to pay his uh, children's tuition bill in yeshiva, and, and the person uh, eats and drinks to, to maintain his health, because without uh, good health a person can't be over this Hashem. And a person sleeps for the same uh, for the same reason. So then the Rambam says, everything he does is Avodah Hashem. So if, if we're successful in, in identifying what our worldly responsibilities are, and limiting ourselves to meeting those worldly responsibilities, so then the, the, the net gain is that our lives can be one uninterrupted continuum of Avodah Hashem. Now here it, it's crucial, and this is already implicit in what we've been talking about, but it's crucial to understand that when we talk about balance, what exactly are we balancing? So sometimes we, we have the, the mistaken notion that we're seeking to balance sort of our enjoyment of Olam Hazeh with our preparation for Olam Haba. And that what we're looking to balance is, is Olam Hazeh aspirations and Olam Haba aspirations. We have certain uh, Olam Hazeh aspirations, the American dream, and there are Olam Haba aspirations, the, the Jewish dream. So how does a person uh, balance those two? But that's not at all what we're discussing. According to the, the, the Torah's outlook on life, according to the guidance the Torah gives us, all aspirations, all goals are spiritual. The Torah doesn't, doesn't encourage us to, to say, well, have your, uh, have your ultimate Olam Haza goals, have your, there's the American dream, there's the Jewish dream. No, there's only the Torah dream. And, and the Torah dream is oriented totally, totally towards spirituality, towards Avodah Hashem. Maybe I'll just read you a few, a few statements of this from throughout the generations, beginning with the Rambam, not necessarily in, in chronological order here. So the Rambam writes in Hilchus Deis in Pari Gimel that Tzorcha Adam Sheichavin Libo V'Chol Masav Kulam Leidas Hashem Baruch Hu A person has to orient, has to direct his heart in all his actions. V'Chol Masav, all his actions, Leidas Hashem Baruch Hu for the sole and exclusive purpose of knowing Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And the Sefer Sisharim in 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 Parak writes. Ikam etzias ha'odem ba'olam hazeh, the purpose of, of our existence in olam hazeh, hu rak kedei lekaye mitzvos v'la'avod v'la'amod v'nisoyen, is to fulfill mitzvos, to be over this Hashem, and to, to stand up, to, to meet the challenges of the life of avod this Hashem in olam hazeh. Ro'u lo, and therefore, it's, 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 it's fitting that, that every, every direction a person turns should always be with the sole intention of, of coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A person should have no other goal. So there's no, there's no, we're not talking about balancing worldly and spiritual goals. We're talking about what the role of worldly responsibilities is within our pursuit of, of spiritual goals. The Chesam Sofer, in the Tshuva we mentioned just a minute ago, 
says Daki Minhatora Bukhuyavim Lakayim Vahagisaba Yamam Valaiwa. There's a mitzvah to, to learn Torah constantly as much as one can. Yom Yom. People should earn just as much as they need to, to to make a living, to pay the bills. And then they should devote the rest of the time since this is, again, this is the the description of what the right balance is a person should not be looking for luxuries a person shouldn't be looking literally for the extras shouldn't be looking for luxuries and the Chovot Salvavos has a very, very sharp and, and enlightening description and definition and he says as follows L- listen to this the same way a single receptacle cannot contain fire and water fire and water can't coexist in the heart of a person who's a mamin love for Olam Hazer and again love for Olam Hazer doesn't mean like the, the, the Vilma Gon who was crying on his deathbed because he wouldn't be able to be Mekayim Mitzvah the uh, Vilma Gon loved Olam Hazer also right? but that's not what the uh, the uh, Chobos is talking about love of Olam Hazer means uh, means the, 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 the physical comforts and, and, and pleasures and, and joys of, of Olam Hazer it doesn't mean Olam Hazer as as the opportunity, as the Olam or the opportunity to be Oved Hashem. So says Rabbeinu Bachir, the Chovos Halvavos, the same way fire and water are antithetical, one vanquishes the other, so too Ahavas Olam Hazer and Ahavas Olam Haba cannot coexist. Everything we're talking about on the one hand is, is, is very simple, very basic, and yet on, on the other hand, sometimes it our perception is skewed or clouded because the, the truth is that because we have the Shnei Yitzharecha because we have the Yitzhahara again, and Yitzhahara doesn't mean that it's innately evil but Yitzhahara means an, an inclination towards the physical and we have the Yitzhahara an inclination towards the spiritual so often we, we try to misplace that and, and try to rationalize ourselves that the two are compatible that a person can have a love for Olam Haza for all the comforts and indulgences of Olam Haza and simultaneously can cultivate a, a love for Olam Haba and for everything that represents. Says the Chavos Halvavos, we're deluding ourselves. There's no such thing. To the degree that a person cultivates a love for Olam Haza, so to that degree he doesn't have a love for Olam Haba. The two can no, no more coexist than water and, and fire can coexist in, in, in the same place. So it's very important to understand, again, that we're not looking to balance worldly goals with spiritual goals, but we're looking to balance worldly responsibilities within a life which is totally and exclusively devoted to, to spiritual goals.
So all of which brings us back one more time to the question of how much do we truly need? Now, the, the answer is not going to be entirely uniform. Obviously, the, 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 the dollars and cents and, and, and the precise details of such an answer are going to vary from individual to individual. So the most we can talk about in, in a public forum are some general guidelines or, or least common denominators in, 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 terms of, in terms of what worldly responsibilities the Torah imposes upon us and what worldly responsibilities we have which are self-imposed. So the Rambam, when he tries to, not when he tries, when the Rambam does tell us how to strike the proper balance between, again, within our worldly responsibilities, so the Rambam says, in, in discussing how much a person should eat and drink, and uh, the Rambam says in, in Paragal of Hilchus Deus, a person should only desire to eat what he needs to maintain himself healthy, strong, robust. But not more than that. As the Pasuk says, now this is fascinating, the Pasuk is about a tzaddik and the Rambam is quoting this Pasuk for all of us. A tzaddik eats to satiate himself, meaning the tzaddik doesn't eat, he's not eating for pleasure, and his, his choice of diet is not dictated by pleasure, it's what he needs to strengthen himself. Similarly, the Rambam says, in terms of how much panasa a person should make his a person should, uh, should, should make effort to earn, so the Rambam says, so too when it comes to calculating how much parnasa we need so a person should look to, to see what he needs to sustain himself again that, that same the same description which, which, which the Chassam Sofa echoed of Kedei Chayav basic necessities Chodesh Elul is, is, is a time when it's hopefully our, our hearts are a little bit more open and uh, receptive to Cheshvan HaNefesh and, and if we'll make a Cheshvan HaNefesh about our, our lifestyle and I'm not talking about any particular community I'm not even talking about any particular uh, particular age or, or, or epoch within, uh, within Jewish history whenever you know, whenever, whenever Jews had the means, so the problem that we're discussing tonight is a problem, unfortunately, with a, uh, I guess you could say, a long and, and, and rich uh, history. So I'm, I'm not referring, again, to any, there's, there's no local dimension in, in, in terms of the problem that exists, and the applications are local and universal, everywhere. So let's maybe explore a few areas 
in which we've lost the sense of balance, in which we've lost the sense of proportion. But we mentioned that Chazal say that Adira Noah is one of those things which affords Hachavis Hadas. That Adira Noah, to, to live in a nice house, gives a person Hachavis Hadas. Again, a certain expansiveness. Certain, the, the same way as a marshal, you know, if a person's in a cluttered room, so sometimes it clutters your thinking. So a person lives in a dira Noah, again, it gives them a certain openness, a certain hachavas a certain, a certain expansiveness. So that, that's a maimah chazal, a maimah chazal that, that, that we're not looking to, to modify, but looking to place in context. Me'idah Gisa, what was Chazal's conception? So in terms of what does that translate into for us? Okay. So what was Chazal's definition of a house? What was Chazal's definition of a house? So the Gemara in Sukkah tells us that various dinim which depend upon a house. The Torah says, Mir isha That a person who just built a new house, but hasn't made a Chanukah Sabayis, hasn't yet inaugurated the house, so then he is excused from Melchama, right? And when the Kohen Mashoch Melchama discusses those who are excused from going out to war, so he's one of those who's excused. There's a chiyav, if you have a house with a flat roof, there's a chiyav of a market. You have to build a fence around the, the, the roof. Kisivna bayas chadash, we just read the Pesach, right? Kisivna bayas chadash, vasisa market legagacha. So there are many dinim, uchsafta mal mezuzos beisachu visharecha. The Torah has many dinim, which are a function of a bias. So what's the definition of, of, of a bias? So the Gemara says the definition of a bias is Dal Ramos or Dal Ramos. If, if the house is four Amos by four Amos, that constitutes a house. How much is Dal Ramos or Dal Ramos? Let's, let's take a uh, large shear. Maybe it's eight feet by eight feet. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I, I don't live in uh, Dal Ramos by, uh, by Dal Ramos. Maybe I should. I, I certainly don't. And, and, and uh, as such, I'm certainly not uh, insinuating that, uh, that, that anyone else should. But in, in terms of understanding just how spacious and elaborate and extravagant the house has to be, and what Chazal had in mind when they said that Adiva Noah gives a person Hachorus Adas, and even factoring in that, that people are a product of, of their upbringing, their environment, factoring everything in, but we shouldn't lose sight of what Chazal's definition of a bias was also. Chazal's definition of a bias was that it was Dalit Amos al Dalit Amos. And this represented something so significant that the person was excused. He could go back from Muhammad because he had invested so much. He had built a house and, and it was inconceivable that we should put him in a position that he may not be able to make a Chanukah service. He may not be able to, to inaugurate the house. What precisely the, the square footage is in, in Tovshin Samachay of Adira Noah, which is Machiva Daita Shaladam, I don't presume to, to know, and, and therefore I don't presume to say. Um, I think we probably could, if we're honest with ourselves, agree that it's a lot less than, than we like to tell ourselves it is, and that therefore the financial burdens that, that, that we assume. In, in, in this area are not financial burdens which the Torah is imposing upon us, but the financial burdens which are, are self-imposed. And another associated 
burden in this realm of, of, of housing is that there is a very natural preference, very strong preference, which we all have, I think we all have, is that there are certain neighborhoods which are especially attractive, neighborhoods which are, are thriving, which are pulsating uh, Jewish communities, and often, in, in addition to all the to Jewish uh, institutional life, they're very pleasing aesthetically as well, and because of that, all of us are, are naturally drawn to such neighborhoods. It's a very natural uh, inclination, and it's a very strong preference. The Tzara is, right, as, uh, as, as everyone who, even those of us who don't know anything about real estate know, that uh, prices in real estate are driven by location. And once a, uh, a neighborhood becomes so desirable, so the, the inevitable result is that the prices spike. So those who, who come later, so even if the, the house, let's say, is what, what qualifies as no, a minimal dira noah by today's standards, which, which affords hachavas hadas, but by insisting on certain neighborhoods, so again, we impose a, a very great financial burden upon ourselves. Now, neighborhoods are, are very important, very, very important. But, yesh uh, there, there, there are limitations. One of the, the previous Gerer Abeim, Zechat Tzadik made a takana that he forbade his Hasidim when getting married, the young Hasidim, he forbade them to buy apartments in Yerushalayim. Because in Yerushalayim, so real estate was, I assume still is, more expensive than, uh, than elsewhere in Eretz Yisrael, because it, 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 it's the most attractive neighborhood. Who doesn't dream of, uh, of living in Yerushalayim? So the Gavi Rebbe said that they're not allowed to buy an apartment in Yerushalayim, because even if they're going to buy a small, modest Dira Noah, which maybe isn't, maybe it's not even big enough to be Machiva Daita Shaladam, but the financial burden which, will that, which that will place upon them was going to be too much. And, and, and the, the Gary Rebbe rightly recognized that that would be a self-imposed worldly responsibility, not one which, which the Torah, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is imposing upon us. In, in this context, it's worth, worth discussing for a moment you know, there are Mishnah Burus, and when we have uh, Shilas in, uh, in Hilchah Shabbos, in Hilchah Zbrochus, so we, we, we look in the Mishnah Burus, we live, we live by the Mishnah Burus. So there are Mishnah Burus about our, our topic tonight also. The Mishnah Burus, in, in the very beginning of Hilchah Shabbos, in Simon Reishman Beis, quotes where, where the Shulchan Aruch discusses how much a person spends on Onik Shabbos, how much... Uh, expense a person incurs in, in terms of uh, buying food to have, uh, to have food for Onik Shabbos so the Shulchan Aruch excuse me, the, the Mishnah Bura quotes there is a Gemara in the beginning of the second parak in Masechus Beitza where the Gemara says the Kol Mizanosav Shal Odom Ktsuvenlo May Rosh Hashanah Vat Rosh Hashanah a person's income for the coming year is, is set on Rosh Hashanah it's, it's decided on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur that uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides what our income is going to be for the coming year. And Rashi says on, on this Gemara, and the Mission Buru quotes this Lahalocha, that therefore a person has to be very, very careful in spending money because there isn't going to be an extra allocation. And if a person assumes all kinds of financial responsibilities which exceed, which surpass 
what was allocated to him on Rosh Hashanah, so then he's going to be of tzars, because he was given a set budget, and he has to live within that budget. So, the, the question is, but, but w- w- we're not given this inside information, me'achoi what, ha'pargod, what, uh, what that budget is. So the answer is, that as long as we're dealing with reasonable expenses, so then we have a right to reasonably hope that the Rebbeinu Shalom has decreed that we should have uh, enough to meet reasonable expenses. But the minute we exceed what the Torah considers reasonable, it no longer becomes a, a reasonable expectation or a reasonable assumption that HaKadosh Baruch Hu necessarily allocated that much to us. So Kalvachomer, that certainly when, when a person assumes financial responsibilities for years and years, 10, 15, 20 years ahead, that again a, a person has to be very weary of, of assuming very heavy financial responsibilities. Who knows what taxiv, what who knows, Kalmazanos of Shalodim Tsuvamo, so who knows exactly how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to plan to allocate. And even if right now indications are that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is allocating a person b'shefa, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is allocating a lot of money, there's no, there's no guarantee that that's what the Ritzon Hashem is for, for coming years as well. And to, to, to become, to assume a responsibility which is going to be a heavy responsibility, again, and one which the Torah would consider unnecessary and unreasonable, is a very, very risky proposition, not one which the, the Mishnah Bura endorses. The truth is that there is one mechanism to which the Mishnah Bura doesn't refer. There is one mechanism where a person can get a supplementary allocation if he exceeds his, his budget of the Kolmazan and uh, I'm referring, as, 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 as you all know, to the famous Gemara and Tainus, where Rabbi Hanina Bendosa's wife says to him, you know, we, we live a life of such dire poverty. You're such a great, such a great man, with such a Korach HaTfila. Isn't there something you can do about it? So Rabbi Hanina Bendosa davens, and uh, this golden leg of a table, which is worth uh, who knows what, comes down and, and now they're now they're, they're, they're as, as rich as, uh, as they could ever dream to be and they can afford anything they want then, then Rebetzin Hanina Bendosa has a dream and she dreams that in Olam Haba all the tzaddikim are sitting at tables, at three-legged tables and she and her husband are sitting at, at a two-legged table and she understands the significance of the dream she understands that she was borrowing in 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 surpassing, in exceeding her budget, in exceeding what was allocated to her in Holom Haza. So there is a mechanism to exceed, but that mechanism to exceed is borrowing against what HaKadosh Baruch Hu really wants to give us in Holom Haba. So she understands the dream, and she tells him, I don't want any part of this. So Hanina Mendoza davens, and the, uh, the, the golden leg disappears as, as miraculously as it, as it appeared. So there is a mechanism for, for exceeding our allocation, our budget, but the price is very, very steep. Let, let's mention one or two other areas. Again, in Chodesh Elul, a time of, of Cheshvan Anefesh, both personal and collective, let's mention, mention one or two other areas 
in which, again, if we're honest with ourselves, not the easiest of tasks, but if we're honest with ourselves, I think we'll recognize that we've lost our sense of proportion and balance. The, the well, in, in grammatically correct Hebrew, the smachot, or in colloquially uh, incorrect Hebrew, the simchas that, that we make, be they uh, weddings, be they bar and bas mitzvahs, the lavish, extravagant simchas that we make, just indescribably out of proportion. The amount of money which is spent on a single day is, 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 is mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. It's, it's a Sudas mitzvah. It's a Sudas mitzvah. Of course, a, a wedding should be, uh, should be celebrated. And to celebrate it, of course, there's going to be some expense involved. It's a Sudas mitzvah. But the, the, the extremes to which we go in, in, in our simchas totally beyond beyond any, any reasonable, reasonable sense of proportion. And again, un- unfortunately, this too is, is a problem with a, with a very rich history. But if, if you look in the terms of the, the takonis, which have been made by kihilas throughout the generations, so throughout the generations, there have been takonis as to how many people you can have playing in a band. There have been takonis as to how much money you can spend on, on flowers. Exactly how much money do you throw away by having flowers that are there for one day and the next day end up in the uh, end up in, in the in, in the garbage. There are takonis, there have been takonis as to how many people should be should be invited to, to a wedding. Now obviously we can't be very literal and say, well, because because in, in the history of takonis they once made a takonov in, in, in some localities that you can't invite more than thirty couples to a wedding. And, and, and the, they did make such a takana. So obviously we're not going to literally transpose that. I mean, how can you compare when, when people lived in, in a village to, to life nowadays when we live in a, in a global village? So obviously w- we can't literally transpose any of these takanas. But the need to curtail the, the amount of, of, of money spent on, on, on a simcha Certainly, th- that is a message which, which should be heard and should be drawn from the history of, of these takonos. Gedolim such as the Noda Behuda from the Gedolei HaPoskim were involved in, uh, in, in, in deciding how many members there should be for a band at, at, a, at a simcha that there shouldn't be unnecessary expense associated with making a simcha. Now, it's also very important to emphasize that, that when we talk about limiting and, and, and curtailing expenses, so w- we're not talking only about people who are of limited means for whom this creates a, a great financial burden. Of course, we're talking about, we're talking about uh, these people as well for the reasons that we've been discussing. But the, the obligation is equally incumbent upon people who are of means for whom it doesn't represent any hardship whatsoever. They're equally, if not more, obligated to curtail spending in, in the areas that we've been talking about. And, and, and the, the reasons for that are either two or, or, or threefold. 
First of all, the, the, the Gemara in Moed Katan, elsewhere as well, tells a, a remarkable, remarkable, reconstructs a, a remarkable scene for us. It says that once upon a time, when a relative would die, the expenses associated with burying the mace were more traumatic for his family than, than his death. The expenses associated the, the tachrichim, which people, the, the, the shrouds, which people, in, with which people used to be malbish the mesim, in which the mace was dressed, tended to be so expensive, and the aniyim therefore felt an obligation, even those who were not people of means, felt an obligation to, to keep up with what others were doing. So much so that the trauma of, of bearing these expenses were so great that it was greater than the trauma of, of losing the family member and, and it, things reached such a stage of crisis that people used to abandon their, their responsibility they would abandon the mason because they felt that they simply didn't have the means to provide for them until Rabbi Gamliel left the Tzavah that he should be buried in the simplest of Tachrichim and from then on, everyone was buried that way, and, and that uh, removed this burden from the Aniyim. So one reason that even people of means have the responsibility to curtail their, their, their spending is because otherwise, if they don't curtail their spending, whether, whether they intend it or not, they set a certain standard which just places too much of a load and, and too great a demand on people who don't have comparable means. The, the um, Gemara has, a, a, in, in a few places, has a, another reason for why even people of means have to curtail their own spending. Not the, the other consideration, but so as not to embarrass the Aniyim. So, so the Gemara says that on Tuba'av, when the uh, when the young women w- would uh, would go out, and it was a day when, when many shiduchim were made, so even those who came from homes where, where they had the means, where they had their own nice clothing, so everyone used to borrow clothing, so as not to embarrass those who don't have. And the Gemara has other things where, where even people of means have to limit what they're doing, so as not to create a, a disparity between what some people can afford and what others can afford as well. So everything we're talking about is not only because of the, again, increased load of, of worldly responsibilities, but also even if, if one has the resources, even if one has the means, one has a, a, an achiv, an orvus, a, a responsibility vis-a-vis society, vis-a-vis everyone else, not to create hardship for others or not to embarrass others and, and to curtail their spending uh, accordingly. Maybe just m- mention quickly one or two other areas in which also where our, our sense of balance and, and, and proportion needs to be restored there certainly is ample uh, justification and and rationale for for taking vacations people certainly need to to refresh themselves 
people certainly need a break. There's no need to uh, to belabor the point. There's certainly ample uh, ample room for vacations in, in a Torah lifestyle as well. But yes, yes. But it doesn't mean that the that the vacation has to necessarily uh, generate the types of uh, expenses which the vacations that that we want to take nowadays do. And that's another another uh, aspect of. Another area in, in which our uh, our sense of balance has to be restored. Now, often the impulse or impetus which causes us to lose this sense of balance is really the sincerest of motives. As as parents. So we all want to give our children the best. We want to give them the best of homes to live in. We want to give them the best of clothing to wear. We want to send them to the best of, uh, of summer camps. We want to give our children the best. The, the, the motive couldn't be more pure. The motive couldn't be more sincere. And yet, too often it's misdirected. Misdirected for two reasons. First of all, If we send our children a message that Talmud Torah, that the father having more time to learn Torah in the base Medrash with his children is a more important value in life than additional physical comforts and luxuries, so then we're doing the best for our children. And, and that's something, that, that's truly doing the best for our children. But uh, we can give them the best of houses, we can give them the, 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 the best of summer camps, and, 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 and everything else, but ultimately, that's not giving them the best. If, if we teach them, yes, we're mistapik bemuat, because to be able to afford, in quotation marks, the best of houses, so then the father would, and, and the parents, the mother as well, would have to undertake to work extra hours and have even more time spent on what's intrinsically mundane, so we're not giving our children the best. But even more than that, there's another reason why, again, the best of houses, the best of clothing, the best of camps isn't necessarily the best for our children. And that is that ultimately, ultimately, we want to, uh, our children, we want to imbue our children, we want to set them on, on, on a path of Avodah Hashem. To set them on a path of Avodah Hashem means to help them develop a spiritual personality. To help them develop a personality which is devoted, which is devoted to Avodah Hashem. Not to, not to implant within them, again, what the Cholos Alvavos talks about, the love for Olam Hazah, but the love for Olam Haba. And again, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar tells us the two can't exist, coexist. The love for Olam Hazah, the love for Olam, Olam Haba can no more coexist than water and fire can coexist. So giving our children the best of houses, the best of clothing, the best of, of, uh, of camps with, with the most fun and games, we're giving them a love of Olam Hazah. We give them less, we're giving them more. We give them less, we give them more. Now, one area in which we, we, we don't compromise, in which we can't compromise, in which we don't look to, to trim expenses is when it comes to chinuch. And this is for two reasons. First of all, 
as as the, as the Gemara so beautifully uh, depicts, children are a pikadon. Hakadosh Baruch Hu entrusts us with a pikadon. He makes us guardians over his children when he blesses us with children. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu entrusts us with pure neshamas. And it's our, our job, it's our obligation as parents to do everything possible to see to it that those neshamas remain as pure as they are when HaKadosh Baruch Hu entrusts them to our care. HaKadosh Baruch Hu also entrusts us with money. That's another pikadon. Li HaKesav, Li HaZohav. The, the, the Kesef and Zohar, the gold and silver, belong to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're supposed to use one Pikadon to care for the other Pikadon. So one area in, in which we don't look to, to limit expenses is when it comes to Chinuch. There's another reason for this as well, because the Gemara says that the truth is that Chinuch doesn't cost us anything. When the budget is, is made out and we're allocated money, so the Gemara says that there are certain exceptions, and one of those exceptions is that the money that we spend on Chinuch, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that for that you have an expense account. That whatever money we spend on Chinuch, so then if we add, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu adds to our allocation. And if we... Uh, and, and, and if we uh, hold back and if we subtract, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu subtracts from our, from our al- allocation uh, as well. Now is not really the, the, the time. Time is, uh, is, is short and it really requires a, a separate Le'eli Yun. But all this notwithstanding, certainly communally, everything possible should be done to try to hold down tuition expenses and, and to try to make tuition as affordable as possible to, to all parents. The Gemara Baba Basu said that Yeshua bin Gamla made a takonna that every city with, with the Jewish community has an obligation to be Moshe Malamde Tinokos, which in, in our uh, terms means to have a yeshiva to, to educate the, 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 the children. And uh, in Shulchan Aruch, and in Yerodei, and Choshen Mishpat, it's discussed, again, so that obligation is not only on the parents. That obligation is on everyone who lives in the city has an obligation to see to it that, that the, the city provides the chinuch for the, the children of the city. So it, it certainly should be a, a, a priority of, of philanthropy to try to limit as much as possible the... Uh, the, 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 the tuition and, and uh, tuition-related expenses. And uh, that's something which needs to be uh, elaborated upon. I'd like to just, in, in conclusion, if we make a cheshbon nefesh and through that cheshbon nefesh are really able to strike the right balance, and we really succeed in identifying those worldly responsibilities which are necessary, which the Torah imposes upon us. There's another crucial, crucial positive fallout to that. And that is, the Vilna Gon writes that Bitochon and Histapkos are klolem l'chola midas tovos. That Bitochon a sense of trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Histapkos, of being content, of making do with, with what's necessary, that these encapsulate all Midas Tovos. 
Now, Bitochen and Histapkos also go hand in hand. How so? As long as a person genuinely only seeks from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that which he truly needs, so then a person can turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, Rebona Shalom, help me that I shouldn't that I shouldn't have to work till ten o'clock every night in order to, to pay my bills. But as long as as long as we don't have the midah of histapkus, so then the midah of bitachon is misplaced. There's no midah of bitachon ribonashalolam help me support a lavish lifestyle. There's no midah that that's misplaced bitachon. The bitachon and the histapkus go together. If we're mistapek, if we have this sense of contentment with what we genuinely need with what the Torah, with what the Rebam Shalom genuinely wants us to have, so then we can turn around and say, Rebam Shalom, so please help us. Then, if we can turn, you know, in, in, in Tvilazaka, towards the end of Tvilazaka, so we, we beseech HaKadosh Baruch Hu, V'chasmeinu b'seifa chayim tovim. Chaim shal panosa benachas uvechavod uveheta. Panosa, which will come easily in a dignified manner, without Rachman al-Islam being over any Yisurim. Velo yatridenu ha panosa betirdas hazman, panosa behashkeit veshalva. A panosa which will come our way amid serenity and tranquility. But the bitochon. Which, which asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that reflects that bitachon is only possible if a person is not looking for excessive panosa. If a person is assuming and incurring the expenses and the worldly responsibilities which the Torah wants, which the Torah imposes, so then we can have the bitachon that when we're mispalel, when we're mispalel in tefillah zakah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will answer our tefillahs. But that betochen is misplaced if we're looking for more than the Torah thinks that, that we should be having. And, and, and finally, I'll just conclude with one other Mishnah Bura. The Mishnah Bura in, in, in the Bir Halacha, in, in Klal Aleph, quotes, as, as you're all familiar, from the Sefer Chinuch, the Sheish Mitzvot Tmidios, that there are six mitzvot which are always operative. The sixth of these is the mitzvah of Lo Sasur Acharei Levavchem Acharei Nechem from the last Parsha in Kriyishma. So the Gemara Dashen that Acharei Levavchem Zuapi Kursus, and I think an Acharei Nechem is Uznus. First is Znus. Right? So Znus generally, so we would try and translate as uh, promiscuity. But there's a remarkable Sefer Chinuch, absolutely remarkable Sefer Chinuch. The Mishnah take a look. The Chayyim also quotes it in, in Klal Aleph of Chayyim. The Mishnah in Siman Aleph of Mishnah quotes the Sefer Chinuch says, "Ubechlal Znus," included in, in, in the under the category of Znus, Misha who rodef achad taivos haolam, a person who pursues the pleasures of this world, without any positive or redeeming reason or goal, 
It's not because he needs it to, to, to maintain his health. But no, he's looking for the pleasure. To indulge the pleasure, the Seif HaChinuch says, the Mishnabur quotes the Halach, it's Bechlal's Nus, it's Bechlal what the Torah says, Los Hasur Achirei Levavchem. And Baruch Shalom should help that Chodesh Elul, we should make a Cheshven HaNefesh, individually, collectively, that we're able to say, Belev Shalem, in Tfilazako, that the Bibal Shalom should be Chosmein Vesef Achayim Tovim, Achayim Shal Panosa, that we should be able to have this well-founded and well-placed betachon that the Rebbe will answer our tefillahs.